Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our beginning of Advent. As we've been doing for about the last five years, we take this time after Thanksgiving and we want to acknowledge the birth of Christ in our services. And it's been something... I love the way he's carrying that baby out. He's just got a little suitcase walking out with the baby. Yep. This is a time where... The birth of Christ, this is how it happens. This is a time where we want to acknowledge how meaningful the birth of Christ is to us. And so we want to take time in our talks and in this opportunity we have together to focus on that and to allow it to shape who we are. So let's pause for a moment and let's pray before we get started. Father, we are grateful to be able to celebrate this season, Lord, to acknowledge your birth and the meaning of it, and to do it freely, Lord. We know that there are people in other places in our world that are unable to do something that seems so normal to us, who go through tremendous persecution because they believe in you. And Lord, may we honor their faith this morning by giving to you, Lord, the attention that this event deserves. We thank you again for an opportunity to gather in your name to remember you and to celebrate you. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I thought we would do this morning is talk about The birth of Christ, because that's what the Advent is, and to focus on a specific theme that I think is common that we're aware of, and that is peace on earth. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to Luke chapter 2, and let's read about the birth of Christ and this idea of peace on earth. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, had told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. A famous account. And there are so many wonderful things in this passage, but what we're going to focus on here is something that was told to them in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when we read that, I know we've known it as peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and that's really what it means. It's among men or humanity who are the objects of God's goodwill and approval and love. And so here is this understanding of peace on earth for those who God loves, for those who God cares about. And this idea of peace is an important part of the story because it is something that is talked about. Hundreds of years before, Isaiah said in chapter 9, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. He later on goes on and says in verse 6, for unto us, or to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And so we start to see that peace is supposed to be a part of this story, of this Messiah. He is supposed to usher in this government of peace, this this kingdom that is supposed to have as one of its evidences peace. And so the question... I want to ask is, where is this peace that was promised? And I thought of this because actually last week, John mentioned it when we talked about this. And it's like, you know, we hear peace on earth. So where is this peace? And so some go as far to say is this isn't really a peace on earth. That will come when Jesus comes back. Because, let's face it, there has not been peace on earth from when this was written to today. We have the tension and the rioting that's taking place in Ferguson. I heard yesterday that the Taliban attacked and killed a father who is running a charity for educating children in Kabul. We have ISIS and the whole idea of this terror that is taking place. There are wars throughout the world. There is tension. Where is this peace? Is it something that just isn't going to happen? And if not, then what does this mean? 
How can he be a prince of peace and we have a world that doesn't have peace? And so we need to look at what is taking place here. I can remember years ago sitting in a living room and talking with one of my cousins. And as we were talking, I remember specifically asking, if you could have anything in the world, what would it be? And I was a a teenager at the time, and so my mind was going crazy with so many things. You know, and I was thinking, oh man, I'd like this, I'd like that, I'd like this, I'd like this. And and they were all pretty much things that I could consume, things for satisfying me. And I was just going on and on and on. She was a little older than I was. I never forget just the expression on her face. And when she said, if I could have anything, I would have peace. And when she said that, it was like, pushing me to the floor and just helping me to realize, you know, all these things that you've been thinking about, they will not give you what you need. And here was someone who had a lot more experience and gone through a lot more than I had and had a lot more than I had, who had things that I wished I had. And here she was saying, if I could have anything in the world, it would just to be peace. And I think that's something that all of our souls long for, cry out for. And so this promise of of peace on earth, it's one that echoes not just in stopping civil unrest or the tensions that take place between nations or people, but it's something that begins inward. Something that each of us needs as well. And so turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand. Hopefully if you have a smartphone, you have version downloaded, it's free, and you can get the Bible and take it with you wherever you go. But in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul writes, the Son is the image of the invisible God. That is this Prince of Peace the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." And so we see that, first of all, this Prince of Peace, the one who is going to bring peace on earth, starts by bringing reconciliation. Here is God stamped into human flesh. He is before all things. He is the preeminent one who has supremacy. He is the example. He is the example of God to us. And here is God reconciling us, giving us peace with him. And so this is a good place to start. 
is that peace that we all need because we all desire it. As I was in the living room with my cousin, when she said what she would want more than anything else was peace, I immediately said, me too. Above the money, above, back then, I was going to be a rock star. Don't laugh, okay? I got this close in my mind, you know, and it was just, you know, all these dreams that I had, they really just kind of fell away when she said, above anything else, I would want peace because I knew what it was like to not have peace, even though I was just a teenager. I can remember very vividly laying in my bed just staring at the dark ceiling and thinking, what does this mean? Having this haunting hopelessness that would just echo in my head. What is life about? Am I going to die and that was it? This was all that it was and it means no more than this? Is this all that it's about? And it haunted me. And so I pursued so many things to try and fill this hole that was in me. I looked into all kinds of religions. Wanted to find some enlightenment. I remember I I leaned towards this book called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment because I'm lazy, I want to be enlightened, sure. It's right up my alley. And everything would kind of give you these words that would try and make you feel good about where you were and what you didn't do. But there was still the nagging, the pulling at my soul saying, you need peace. And you see, when it talks about Jesus being the the firstborn of all creation, being above all things, and that God using him to reconcile the world to himself, what's happening here is God is seeing his creation broken and fragmented and falling apart and unable to have this peace that we desire, unable to fulfill the purpose that our lives were intended for because there is this separation between us and our creator. The one who made us is now distant from us. And to get what needs to happen in our lives, to to have that accomplished in us, we need to connect to this God. But he is so big, he is so far away, and we have fallen so far from who he is. And in steps the Prince of Peace. And he reconciles the world to himself through his blood on the cross. And so now the things that we need to to satisfy the longing in our soul are now supplied through this person. Through Jesus. And now we can come before him with confidence, Hebrews tells us. Why are we confident? Because he has reached out to me. He has made the way available for me. It wasn't I had to find the enlightenment. It wasn't I had to abstain from, you know, gluten and meat or things that I enjoy. You know, it was I got to actually 
allow him to fill the gap in me. And so God has extended himself to me, to you. And this is so important. John talks about this in John chapter 14 when he's talking about Jesus saying he's going to leave us the Holy Spirit, the advocate. He's going to send him in his name and he will teach us all things, remind us of everything that Jesus has said. And he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And this is so interesting because as Jesus is promising us the Spirit is going to now comfort us, He is going to dwell within us, He is going to be that reconciliation taking place between God and us. And as that happens, He says, I'm leaving peace with you because that's what happens when we're reconciled to God. I I remember when I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I don't know what it all means. None of us really do when we take that step. It's always a little bit of, I'm not sure what's on the other side of this curtain, but I'm going to step on through. And I remember when I said this prayer, okay, Jesus, come into my life. And I don't remember what else I said, something, I'm a sinner, I need you. He he knew what it was. He was leading me. And I'm like, okay, what, what, okay. So I, I sat there and I prayed that. And I was like, okay, here's the prayer. I can remember going home and that night laying down, looking up at the same ceiling, but it wasn't the same. Something happened. And I didn't intend for it to happen. I didn't even know what was happening. I just knew all of a sudden something was changed. There was a a difference and that haunting anguish was gone. And, And you see, I used to be able to numb that haunting anguish. I I used to do a lot of drugs and do a lot of things that would try and satisfy it. And it would push it down for a while, but it always rose back up. And I can remember thinking, well, that's interesting. I, I feel different. We'll see what happens. And even though there's been some difficulties that have taken place, a lot of difficulties, that is gone. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He reconciled me to himself and he left me his peace. It wasn't the peace that I had tried to have before. This was different. But what's curious about this is he goes on and he says, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, you're giving me peace and then you're telling me don't let my heart be troubled. That's troubling to me when you tell me, don't let your heart be troubled. You just said I had peace, but now you're saying, don't be troubled, don't be afraid. Why are you telling me that? You must be telling me that for a reason. And he is. He's telling us that because we are going to live in a world that's troubled. We're going to live in a world that these things will come at you hard and heavy. And he also seems to think that what he's giving you and me, is enough to deal with the trouble and the fear. And so we see in Scripture 
persecution take place. We, we see the account of Stephen in Acts where he goes and he proclaims this good news that God has reconciled us to himself through the person of Jesus, that the promise that Isaiah spoke about is taking place in this man. And they take up stones and they start stoning him to death. And at his last words, he, like Jesus, says, Father, forgive them. And he looks up and he sees at the right hand of God, Christ standing, and then it says that he fell asleep. And what do you mean he fell asleep? He was stoned to death. He was crushed. But you see, the writers had to try and convey the truth that is taking place that we don't see. And so instead of saying he was killed, they say he fell asleep because they want us to know that he didn't die. And he didn't have to be fearful or troubled because there was a peace that could carry him even through that. It it always overwhelms me, the stories I hear from those who are in places where they are persecuted for their faith. And to hear what they have, the peace that they have in circumstances that would freak me out, right? Right? keep joking with my friends whenever something happens. Oh, man, I can't believe that. Yeah, the, you know, heater is out. Oh, man, that's terrible. First world problems, you know. Oh, no, the heater's out. What do we do? Oh, man, it's so terrible. You know, a refrigerator doesn't close right. Oh, man, what do we do? You know, first world problems. You got to make sure it's closed all the way. I mean, we, we have so many things that we consider, consider troubling. And here are these people whose lives are in danger for their faith, and they have peace. And so we see that this promise extends to this area of quenching that need that we all have. And I I don't want to move past this point without talking to some of you here who maybe don't have that. Maybe you've gone to church. Or maybe you have family that's gone to church, but you are here and it's like, well, I don't know about church yet. I guess it's a good thing. This isn't meant to be a good thing. This is meant to bring us to a place where we understand that God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus and he wants to give you this peace. He wants to connect you with the life that he has. And we can't move past this because this is the foundation that we need to build on. If you don't have this peace, then like I did years ago, ask. I trust that God will answer. I know he will. I don't need to lead you in a special prayer. I don't even remember the prayer I prayed. You can ask. That's what prayer is. And you could say, God... I need that peace. I need your life in me. See what happens. If you want it, he wants to give it. He has gone this far. He will go further still. And so if that's there, take that. Let this peace be something that reigns in your life and is part of your life as well. Turn with me also to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Because we still haven't answered, or I haven't answered the question, well, what about this peace? Where is it that's supposed to be taking place, peace on earth? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 16, he says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so this is what we just read in Colossians that God has reconciled the world to himself through the blood of Jesus Christ and he's saying the same thing. And so we're seeing Jesus in this light and we're seeing people in a different light as well. And he's given us the ministry, the committed to us this message of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so that's kind of what I just shared a few moments ago. Be reconciled to God. This this is the message that we are trying to bring. It's the message that God has brought to us. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means that we can now stand in the place as a representative for God. That this peace that God has put in our hearts is now a peace that is supposed to overflow from our lives and we are to do the same thing for others that God has done for us. We are now those who are to reconcile those around us. And so the question has to be then, okay, peace on earth. If God is going to bring peace on earth, how is he going to do it? All right, Jesus, bring peace on earth. And Jesus' words come back to us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. God's identity is that we are peacemakers, that we are reconciling people to God, that we are the ones who bring the change You see, we don't want to just have church. What we want to do is be a part of a movement that God is doing that is going to sweep all of humanity and bring his peace in us and then through us to one another. And the way that they will know you belong to God, your DNA will be that you are a peacemaker. Because that's what God is. And we are to do what he did. We are what he's going to bring. We are the people who he's going to bring peace through. And I think so many times, at least in my history of Christianity, the whole idea of peace on earth, oh, it'll never happen until Jesus comes. And so I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. All right, 
Come on, Jesus, bring that peace because I need it. When Jesus is saying, no, you bring it and have it set so when I get here, we're further along. Oh no, no, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be, there's the Antichrist. I saw a bunch of movies, read a bunch of books. I know what's going to happen in this thing. I'm telling you what the scripture says. You are to be reconciling the world because that's what God is doing. You are to be a peacemaker right here, right now. I don't care what movie you've seen. I don't care what book you've read. This is our ministry. This is our purpose, is to bring God's peace to those around us. You know, there are so many examples that have happened in history, at times of conflict, in war, where you could have Jew, Christian, or Christian, Muslim, and you have a person come to an understanding of Christ, and now they have peace. You have racial tension between people, black, white, brown, yellow, and all of a sudden you have Jesus between them, and now we are brothers, and we are sisters. And it brings peace among us. You see, this is a message that is meant to change us and change how we live among each other. We're not here to just wait for peace to come. We're here to bring peace to the world that we live in. That is what we are. That is who we are. The children of God that bring peace because we are his children. And so this Advent season and why we have the Advent conspiracy, we have a challenge to ourselves to to do the work that God would want us to do at this season when we are to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so here has been our challenge. We want to worship him fully for who he is. Recognize that this Prince of Peace has now given us his peace and said, I want you to give it to the world around you. We want to worship him completely. We want to spend less. And when I say spend less, I mean, you know, that gift card that you give to that person. I'm going to buy him a $15 Starbucks card because, well, you know, I work with them and I just feel like I should. Instead of spending the $15, make a card for them. Do something. Bake some cookies. If you can bake cookies. If you don't bake cookies, have someone who can bake cookies bake cookies or just buy them, okay? But the idea is I'm going to take that $15 that I would normally have given to them, I'm going to give of myself relationally Spend time, go out to dinner with them, go up, have a cup of coffee. And what I'm going to do is take that $15 and we're going to use it towards a cause. Last year, the cause was to build the cafeteria in Haiti and it should be done, Jeannot said, maybe in January. And so we wanted to move and say, okay, this is what we want to do to be, bring recognition that this is what Jesus has done. We're going to make a difference. This year, what we're going to do is we're going to give this money towards the conferences that we do in Mexico. And here's the reason. These conferences that take place, take place 
both in La Paz and Vizcaino, and they take place to pastors of different denominations. It's not just a certain church. There's Baptist, there's Pentecostal. That's pretty much what there is down there. Right? Is there anything else? Assembly of God. Well, that's Pentecostal, but I, yeah. So, but that's it. You know, and I'll go there, and so far they like me down there, you know. And I, I go there and I share, and, and I'll, oh, you know, this brother hermano, and they give me a hug, and sometimes they'll start praying to me in tongues, but they're in Spanish too, so I don't know. You know, it's like, okay, whatever's going on, and then sometimes they just come and they share a scripture with me, and they're appreciative of those things. But here they are together, and we're encouraging those people to do the same thing. And the things that I share with you are the things I share with them. That it's their job to go and change the world. That, you know, we're not here to do church. We're a part of a movement that is to change the lives of those that we live around. It's supposed to change the world. We are the ones who bring peace on earth. And so I get to do that in La Paz and I get to do that in Vizcaino. And so the money that we're going to do is going to go towards that. Usually what we do is feed everyone in Vizcaino. We take a crew down there, they go, we do the kitchen work. We're not doing that this year. Usually costs about $6,000 for us to go and do that, that we've been doing for the five years that we've been doing it. Last year it was about $6,000. It's kind of escalated as the conference has grown and as prices have gone up. But we're not going to have a team that's going to go down there and do the cooking, but we still want to supply for the food and for the lodging for some of the pastors that are there. You're not supplying for me, okay? I already bought my plane ticket. I've got a place to stay in La Paz. I did that already. Then I'm going to meet Gabe in Vizcaino, and he's going to drive me home, I hope. Uh, But this money is going to be used to help support this conference, the food that's going to be there for the pastors. And it's our way of just trying to bring unity to this group and to supply something that we've been a part of. And so, the way this works is you don't take the money that you've been giving to Genesis and just give it to La Paz instead, okay? Because that happened a little bit with Haiti, and that was kind of scary for a while. But what we're going to do is take the money that you would give towards that gift card and give it towards the conference, And then you can write on the envelope, Advent, and we'll know that that's what it's going towards. And we want to see what we can do to help supply the needs. It would be great if we supplied all the food that was going to be there. There's over 100 pastors and their wives and kids. It would be great if we could help supply some of the rooms. They drive 100 miles to get to this conference, some of them. Okay, And they go there with their family. And so where they're going to stay when they drive there after driving 100 miles, there's a few hotels there. We can help supply the money so that they can stay in the hotel. They can't afford this. Their denominations don't give them anything. And here we come along and say, we care about you. We're going to give of ourselves to you because you are part of our family. And now carry this towards those outside. And so let's take this time and give towards this, and let's help make this a reality. Let's bring the peace on earth. 
It begins with God reconciling us to himself. And it begins then with us giving it to those around us, to the world around us. So Alex is going to come up now. We're going to have the ushers come up as we take the offering. I'm going to pray that God would stir our hearts to be the people who make the difference and bring the change. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the Prince of Peace. Lord, that you have indeed brought peace on earth, but you first brought it into my own soul, into my own spirit. And Lord, just like one drop in a dry land, it starts to soak in and change the soil around it. And as more drops fall and as more water just takes place on the land, it will fertilize and produce fruit. Lord, we are the change. And so, Lord, take these finances that we give and we offer them to you and may they be used to be part of your work to bring peace to the world. May it be what we can do to establish what you would do through us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be generous, not for the money's sake, but for the example that it is, that we would be peacemakers and people would know that we are the children of God because we are restoring the lives of everyone around us. Lord, that we would be those who step into the conflict, that we wouldn't be afraid, we wouldn't be troubled. God, take what we have, multiply it, and use it for your glory. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.